So if you pick an industry that's going down or not going so well, it's not going to end up well going well for me. So yeah. my industry is the affordable housing. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, I'm excited to have Charlotte Dunford. Charlotte, how are you doing today? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing excellent. Thank you very much. Charlotte is the managing partner of Johns Creek Capital, which is an investment management company that focuses on mobile home park investments with a total investor subscription of over $4.2 million. Numbers-wise, they currently have 20 uh, mobile home park investments, and Charlotte herself has also created over $500,000 in asset value in the past 12 months. And uh, Charlotte, I'll let you explain a little bit more about your background, but uh, why, don't, why don't we dive in actually to your background, to your beginnings, because I think that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, you didn't uh, come from here. And so let's dive in. Let's uh, tell our listeners a bit, little bit more about yourself, and then we'll talk about kind of what you're doing today. Right. So um, my name is Charlotte Dunford. Like you said, I'm a managing partner of Johnson Creek Capital. Um, since I think last time that we communicated, we actually grew quite a bit. Right now we have 24 mobile home parks um, oh, nice. under management and over $4.5 million in investor subscription. So um, we see great. this niche features value add the small mobile home park properties with um, higher cap rates in the 7% and above range at purchase. So, and as far as my beginnings, uh, it's, uh, um, it's, a, it's a story, uh, but... I came from, I was born and raised in China uh, when I was um, 16 years old. I came to the United States to seek better opportunities, um, but um, I, I did not come with my parents. I pretty much applied for a high school here in America and um, pretty much just um, uh, hopped on the plane and came over here. I did really? not know anyone here in the States. I did not have any family uh, relatives, friends. I did wow. not know a soul in the United States. Um, but I, I do think that it is a, is a great opportunity. Um, and, um, I, I don't see a future for myself in, in, in China. So, um, and, uh, another thing, you know, what led to, um, what I'm doing today is that I've always wanted to do real estate. Another reason I wanted to come to the United States was because I was, you know, people are not able to own properties under mm. the communist regime where I came from. So I decided to come here to pursue um, real estate, pretty much. Your opportunity has always been a fascinating idea to me. Um, and I didn't speak any English, so I had to learn everything from scratch and pretty much build a new life. So, um, uh, so you I just, came over here from China at 16, not knowing mm -hmm. English. You applied mm -hmm. to, to a high school. I'm assuming, assuming you got in, right? You yeah, know, yeah. Yes, I did. So yes. you came and flew over here. You didn't know English. like So you had to just start learning English right away when you came here? You didn't yeah. have, or, or were you learning it when you were over there before, like as you were prepping to come or how did that work? I, I learned a little bit, but it's, mm -hmm. it's as good as like taking a couple of semesters of Spanish, yeah. like kind of level. So yeah, yeah. it's not you. It's not really useful when you go to a you know a country that speaks 
that as, as a native native language. So sure. you could say okay, hi I, and goodbye. The, and, um, <laughs> I want to go to the bathroom uh, and all that. Yeah. <laughs> so nothing well. really useful, wow. uh, that useful. So that's my level. And when I came here, it and was so, difficult. Uh, as, the first month, usually the hardest, it was hard. And, but because I was so young and I yeah. was 16, um, I was able to, I was like a sponge, right? Absorbing knowledge. And mm. I was in that environment. I, I wanted to go to a high school where there are not many international students and it was as local. So I landed in this small village in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. So it's pretty much as mm. local as it could be. And I lived with a host family, which the school found for me. I didn't know them before. So, um, but that, that really helps me. And for, plus my own um, desire to learn the language that really helped as well. Yeah. So was it more of like a foreign exchange program or was it, a, how, how was it set up? Cause you came to a host family. It sounds like yeah. a foreign exchange program. Well, that's what a foreign exchange program would do, but there was nobody to exchange with me. It wasn't a program that's set up for, you know, rich kids who, you know, yeah. who have, oh, I want to experience life in a different country. And it's how cool is it? No, it wasn't like that for me. Like that. Uh, I simply had to find lodging and that was what the school did was to find local families, um, preferably their kids would do the same school to to do this. Um, that That's pretty much about it. There's no change program where they take you out to do fun things. No, I, I went to school and, you know, I was on my own. <laughs> yeah, so. head, head down and, and boots on the ground and yeah. let's get this done. So, so uh, pretty, pretty amazing, especially not coming over here with, you know, coming over here without any family, without any real, probably m much money. Um, and, and so, you know, how did you then evolve to running your own business? Let's just talk a, a little bit of that evolution. Cause I think it's really right. fascinating. I always find it so fascinating when somebody right. comes over here from a, a different country and can create what you've created because man there's so many people that here that can't create what you've created well thank you i appreciate the, the compliment i think you know let's reverse engineering a little bit so when i started john's Creek capital in 2020 i already had a couple properties under my belt and that's why i was able to attract some initial investors so let's go back to how i was able to uh, get a couple of properties under my belt. That's through um, my, um, my, my my job, you know, uh, my, my full-time job at the time. I didn't quit my full-time job yet. So I, I had a full-time job at the time and I used the salary to finance my first couple of properties. So then, you know, let's roll back and think, how the heck did I get my full-time job? That's because I graduated college and got the full-time job and rolled back reverse engineering more. How did I get into college? And this, <laughs> going back to high school, right? So I pretty much had to study uh, as hard as I could. Um, you know, I, I was, um, I had to study for the SATs and grant, granted those are all in English and in hard English as well. And right. a lot of locals didn't even, you know, know how to, you know, do the SATs well, and the right. words are hard. So I pretty much had to study as hard as I could. Uh, math was the easy part for me. That wasn't difficult because I learned everything pretty advanced uh, back in home in, in China is because so much competition there, everybody studies so hard. And math is like kind of international thing. So as soon as I look at it, I usually that that's the easiest part for me. Um, but the a language part was, was the hardest reading and writing. So I uh, tried as hard as I could, but I I think I, I did my ICTs, tried a few times. 
uh, finished up pretty, 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 pretty much on the top, um, close to 2000 at the time, the full, I think was at, at the 2400, but I scored like 2000. So it's not too bad for, for international students. I've only been here for, for a little bit. So I got into one of the top engineering schools here at Georgia Tech, um, here in the South, uh, Georgia Institute of Technology. Um, so I pretty much started my college career and, um, started as a industrial engineering major but decided to switch to business and then that's when i really started to learn a lot more about business about uh, about you know really got myself educated uh in in in, in business in the business world and um, that which led to a job in here in, in georgia as a business analyst which really strengthened my um, analytical skills and data analyst skills, which were very much needed in, in syndications in, in the, this business today. And that's pretty much what led to the first deal, second deal, and took a jump to start a business. And here I am. So it took to, a lot longer. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. You fast forwarded through a lot of stuff, I'm sure. And we'll, right. we'll dive into some of those, uh, some of those right. things. But what what made you say mobile home parks? Did you just kind of stumble into it or was there an underlying reason for um, mobile home parks? Right. There is a pretty strong reason for it because um, at the time when I you know, started the business to quit my job to find something to get into really in real estate, I was thinking because I already was owning a single family home, a duplex. I was thinking maybe I could scale and own more duplex and maybe apartment yeah. buildings. But the, the fact of the matter is it was way too many people in this market and mm -hmm. way too many competitors. And the big boys have been at Marcy family for decades. And for me, you know, a 24 year old fresh, pretty much fresh out of college wanting to get it. It's not possible for me. The barrier of entry is too, way too high, uh, way, way, way too difficult. So for me, I've always believed in blue ocean strategy going into a space where there's not, the market is not extremely heated. Not everybody's chasing after it. And there is, you know, it's kind of a diamond in the rough. That's kind of what I'm going for. That's kind of my philosophy. So that's why I found mobile home parks. And I determined that this is a space where it's not super competitive. It's still not super competitive. And in the real estate, seven year real estate cycle is fairly early on. It was definitely early on when I got in and it's still early on today. So that's why I thought this is the space I want to go into. Yeah. What size mobile home park uh, are you typically buying? Is there, is there a range? Yeah. So right now for small ones, we usually look at 50, 50 and below. 50 and below. Okay. And are these properties, are they listed by brokers or like, what are you doing to find um, these mobile home parks that you know, 50 and below right. or 50 and above? Like, what are you doing mm -hmm. to find these properties? So brokers and sellers and the relationship, relationships we've established over the past couple of years, at this point, the, the deal sourcing part have, you know, has developed into kind of this lease machine getting us deals every day. So um, there are, we have different, several different channels, uh, brokers, sellers, relationships, and- You go um, direct to seller. Yes, yeah, sometimes, so, sometimes. Okay. And a lot of times it is broker. Um, yeah. so yeah, they're different kinds of deals. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And uh, okay. So you buy a mobile home park mm -hmm. that it, it's an, you said it's not competitive. So we're buying this mobile home park. We're probably not having 40 people bid on it. Just like you, like you see in multifamily. 
Mm -hmm. uh, what do you do? You get a property. What do you do to it to make it more valuable than what it's already worth? Or are you just buying these properties that are stabilized and kind of just rolling with it? Are you buying turnkey? Are you doing specific things? And if you are doing specific things, what are you doing to add value? Right. So the value add strategies for mobile home parks of uh, the size usually uh, consist of um, first, uh, some cosmetic upgrades, for example, a new sign, some new fences, some new white fences to give it a little bit of a country feel, just very basic cosmetic upgrades. And um, you, you raise rent a little bit because the rents are incredibly low to start with. So mm. the average in the Southeast is uh, $150 in the Midwest, which will also have a pretty strong uh, presence of its $200. Fifty dollars to three hundred, and that's for the, the on the west path, coast, right? that's, that's, that's for the path. Yeah. yeah. So on the west coast, you're looking at four to five hundred dollars. So oh, wow. on the east, east coast, east coast is similar to the Midwest. So um, they're incredibly low to start with. So there's a lot of meat on the bone already. So you can raise rent a little bit, but you don't want to raise it too much per year. Mm -hmm. And uh, another value added, the, the big thing is um, you can push back utilities and set meter the. Um, meaning that the, 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 the tenants will be paying for the utilities themselves, or you can just push back utilities and that's just paperwork. Um, okay. So that way you have to pay uh, for utilities and that way they yeah. actually use less water if they use their, you know, if they, uh, you know, pay for their own utilities. Yeah, and they're more on cautious top of that, about what they're, what they're doing. <laughs> absolutely. They're a lot yeah. more cautious that way. And another thing which is major, it's a little more, a little more difficult, but it is a pretty major value at move. It's uh, called infilling. Um, meaning that you uh, either prep a lot to, for, to attract a tenant to move their home into your lot, or okay. you buy a new home and bring the new home onto your lot and rent it out and make it rent to own um, or somewhere along those lines. So those are pretty much the major value add approaches that we have. Um, and obviously the repairs and maintenance and making the park look prettier trim the trees, cut grass. That's just common maintenance. Yeah. So if you've got a vacant uh, to lot, you're going <laughs> to try to just beautify that lot up. See if you can get somebody to put a home on there. And if, or you're going to actually buy one yourself, it sounds like, and then you're going to yeah. maybe sell that or sell that as a, uh, sell that on like a contract or something like that. Correct. That right? That's, that, that would be another way to do it. And as far gotcha. as beautifying the lot, it's really beautifying the park. Uh, okay. So that the park is attractive. The lot yeah. prep is only just, you know, making sure the utilities are are, are ready to be hooked up. Um, gotcha. That's the lot prep. Yeah. But yes, gotcha. those are the two approaches. And the second one is a lot diff more difficult than the first one. But it depends, I think, on your budget. Hey, the North Star Real Estate Conference is back. It's May 2nd and 3rd. And this year, it's a bit different. We're going to be hammering in on multifamily real estate. And we're going to show you asset management, value add strategies, raising millions of dollars through syndication, and how to find those hidden gems in today's market that are just so tough to find. And one of the biggest things I'm excited to bring you is industry experts that you're going to be able to put on your team so you can hit the ground running day one. So join us. May 2nd and 3rd at the North Star Real Estate Conference. Look forward to seeing you there. So why 50 and below is why is that your target versus, you know, 50 and above versus 500 uh, pads versus, you know, whatever versus anything different? What is that? Is there a reason for that uh, specific niche? Because of higher cap rates and due to lack of competition. Again, it goes back to competition. It goes back to blue ocean strategy. It goes back to 
you know, once you get, get above that, everybody's is going after that. So yeah. you're putting uh, 20 bids on, on this one park and you will never get a park <laughs> and not, not at a good price anyways. And the cap rates are approaching multifamily level. So you might wow. as well just do multifamily. Wow. <laughs> it, it, are you, um, it, you know, I know, I know some people that are buying larger parks and how they're managing. How are you managing these properties? Are you able to hire third party or do you have staff on site? How are you managing a 50, let's call it a 50 pad site or a 30 pad site or whatever? Right. So we have, we manage everything in house and we have staff uh, within our organization to support the parks and um, from different perspectives. So from an operational perspective, as far as property management responsibilities, that falls on my partner who is has a very strong engineer background. And um, he, he, he is in charge of actually the day-to-day -day management of the park. And we have uh, our staff who is, uh, you know, a value app coordinator who reports to my partner he is uh, responsible for you know, facilitating a lot of those uh, activities, uh, talking to contractors himself and kind of a level below, you know, what more boots on the ground and more talking to contractors himself and actually facilitating a lot of our, uh, the activities. Uh, so we, we do have 24 different parks across 10 different states. So, and we're based in Georgia and uh, they're far. So the way we manage that is because we have local teams, teams that we assemble during and post due diligence to um, local contractors, electricians, local um, uh, city authorities, and uh, even the good tenants in the park to kind of being uh, the eyes and ears of the park. So you have a localized effort. Uh, you have a local team localized, you know, uh, to, 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 to watch over the park and to handle the immediate needs. But the headquarter is us and we handle, you know, all the requests and actually making the decisions. And from a compliance perspective, we have a compliance officer who's in charge of, because we operate in so many different states and every single state has their own regulations, permit, permitting requirements and health department requirements. And our compliance officer is in charge of making sure all of our uh, parks are in compliance uh, compliance of what uh, the state wants and foreign registration and that that could be in a, a job in itself that's why we have staff on board to do that and obviously the finance part of it we also have staff uh, to, to to be in charge of that as well so it sounds like you've got a lot of different people in place mm -hmm. what are you doing uh, are you using any specific softwares that that you really like or what are you doing um, to manage that kind of business and set systems up to any, anything in particular? Well, for our internal team management, we, it's a very simple size. We use monday.com. Um, so, okay. yeah, so it's pretty simple. Um, everybody know what knows what everybody's doing. Obviously you have to develop your internal processes to make sure your team knows what the heck is happening. For example, once we close a deal, we have a workflow process for a new entity. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do. Um, you know, registering for the uh, the state requirements and opening a new account, all of that good stuff. So everybody, mm -hmm. it should trigger all of their actions. So you want to automate automate as much internal processes as possible. That's the only way you can grow efficiently. Yeah, hundred percent. Something we're trying to work on, you because know, as you get, I'm sure you've dealt with this. Uh, as you get certain levels, you have different growing pains, and then all of a sudden, yeah. something you did in the past doesn't work so well. 
And so we're constantly trying to figure out. So some of these questions I ask are always selfish questions. You know, I want to know what other oh, people good. are doing so I can improve myself, good. but hopefully that way the listeners also learn something. Right. 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 Uh, but yeah, so that, that's, that's great. You got um, first dibs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Monday.com is something we've certainly looked at. And I think, you know, creating that, those systems where people can see who's doing what, and then it, it basically, it triggers them to do something exactly. can be so valuable because then everybody knows their place. Everybody knows how to push, kind of kick the ball along. Cause if, right. if, if, if one person stops and they don't kick that ball, it, the ball stops. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and don't drop so, the ball. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that we need to know, okay, who's in line, who's next and uh, when do they go? So that, that's yeah, really exactly. Cool. Exactly. Um, talk about a mistake that you've made. I'm sure there's been one or two. Talk about a mistake that you've made and how have you learned from it and what are you doing differently now? Right. You know, I have a book. I have a, I just found my book, but I, I, I keep track of all the mistakes I make and oh God, mm. the lessons learned and how I do what I do to, uh, to address it. And it's important as a a company grows, you need to have that. So I guess, uh, let me think about one mistake I made that was worth talking about here. Um, <laughs> um, you haven't made any, have you? Oh, I made many. Oh. No, 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 no. Anybody who says they haven't made mistakes, yeah, that you should told. be careful. Yeah. You, you know, it's, well, you should be careful. Either they're truthful that they haven't made any mistakes, which is really dangerous because they haven't really made any mistake there about you, on you. So uh, um, I think, um, let's, let's say a mistake I made, uh, a bit major mistake, I would say, cost me a lot of money is when I bought my first, first uh, property, a single family home in South Atlanta. I, this tenant screening process, I, I was not, I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest. I, yeah. my first property and, you know, I pretty much, you know, let whatever tenant who said they could pay their rent and, you know, didn't do any background check. I didn't do a credit check. I simply, I looked at, look at their, you know, kind of a pay stub and everything, you know, they're fine. Big mistake, big, big mistake. You, you have to screen your tenant, you know, cautiously. And you want, you, you need to understand how much money they're making and if they could cover the rent. Um, so that's, that's, that's super important. And that ended up costing me over $10,000. And part of it, I'm still chasing after, but I don't think I would never ever get that money back. So yeah. Be careful with your tenants. Pro probably will never see that money again. Never. Yeah. Not in this life. Nah. <laughs> no, not that's in just, this one. That just all, that's how it goes. That's good. Yeah. Um, so somebody that is a couple years, five years behind you, what kind of advice would you give them if they go, wow, this is, this is amazing. I love, I love what Charlotte has done. What advice would you give them? How can they follow in your footsteps and do it even better? Um, see, my story is pretty unique. So from a strictly business perspective, you know, not as an immigrant, not as a woman, not as anything else, but as let's say you're, 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 you're strictly a businessman who wants to start a business. I would say the first thing is that you have to pick the right industry, right? So if you pick an industry that's going down or not going so well, it's not going to end up well, going well for me. So yeah. my industry is the affordable housing. The market is big. 
you know, what you want to do is that you want to pick an industry that's going up, that's take, making a lot of money, that has huge potential. Eventually, you want a place in that for yourself uh, in the market. You, you want a market share, right? right? And that market share grows as you grow. But you have to be able to get in to get grab a share first, because if you are in, in an industry that's already extremely matured and it's extremely competitive and it's already been it's already been developed, you have no space there. So that's, I think, the first step that you have to determine for yourself. And obviously, educate yourself along the way and don't be afraid to take risks, calculate a risk and move forward, take actions. Doing things is always better than not doing things because through doing things, you learn a lot. Even the things that you do you know, may not lead to anything, may lead to something bad, but you have to fail forward. You have to act quickly. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I talk to a lot of people who are super well-educated, right? They, they've read all the books. They've listened to all the podcasts. They, they, you know, they, they've had mentors, all that kind of stuff they still aren't successful. And the key ingredient that they're missing is action. It's everything. Don't action is everything. Take There's a action. Chinese saying called the zhishang <clears throat> which means uh, talking about military strategy only on paper. Uh, it's not going to work. Not uh, you can be a great, great mastermind, you know, putting your little toy soldiers on a piece of paper, say, hey, they're going to take this mountain right now. But if you don't put them into action, you're not going to win your enemy just by putting your toy soldiers perfectly because that's not real. It's not reality. Yeah. Yeah. Your enemy is not going to be very scared if you have a plan. They're not scared of your plan. They're scared of your action. Exactly. Implement a exactly. plan. Have a plan. Yeah. But yes. Have a you plan, have but you, you have to do things and make moves. Yeah. yeah. Make the move. Yeah. That's great. Um, I'm sure sure you've had some people along the way. What are some, you don't even have to name them or necessarily, but some, some essential people, if you want to name that, you're, you're more than happy. You're more than welcome to, but uh, some essential people that have helped you along the way uh, to get to where you, you've gone. I would love to name them, but I don't know if they're comfortable to be named, <laughs> but I do want to, um, you know, so many people, I mean, my entire journey is because people who helped me along the way, mm -hmm. starting from my host family who, 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 who pretty much taught me a lot of things about American culture and about everything. And uh, all the way to my husband who has helped me so much along the way. Um, and my, my family, my husband's family. And as a girl who, who, who doesn't have any resources on this new land, you know, it's important to in life to understand people need to depend on each other to, yeah. to make things happen. And you, you don't, don't believe now, I don't believe that the success stories where people say, oh, I did it all by myself. No, you didn't. You didn't do it all, all by yourself. You, you had help from somewhere, even subconsciously you did. And our early investors who trusted in me and believed in me and is in, was interested in, in my business and invested with us and helped, helped me take this thing higher. Yes, yeah, just so many people, I, 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 uh, I think that made me who I am today, yeah. Is there anything that you think, this is just your opinion, right? But, you know, you talk about the early investor or investors that mm -hmm. somehow take this leap of faith. You have really very little, right? Uh, you've done yeah. a couple deals, whatever, but all of a sudden 
you're trying to seek some money. Is there anything in particular that you think helped you gain that trust and get the money? Well, I think it's always difficult to raise funds, no matter which states you're at. It mm-hmm. gets easier over time, but it's always difficult. Well, Originally, but you're trying to raise more money, right? So that's what, right. yeah, especially, you know. Right. So I think what helped me was just you need to present yourself in the best light and you need to have some sort of experience. You couldn't be nothing. Like you can't sit across the table yeah. from an investor saying, hey, I have nothing. I don't have any real estate experience. I don't know what I'm doing, but hey, give me a, thousand, <laughs> a, a million dollars. That's not yeah, going to work. Yeah, we're going to so, give this a shot. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Even angels, angel investors don't do I heard that, Charlotte right? on a podcast and I, I just am excited to, <laughs> to get this uh, get this deal done. So. Right. But, you know, you know, her shout on the podcast that shows that, you know, it talks about her experience. Right. So you have to have some sort of experience at this point. We have some sort of we have experience. We are in the process of exiting one of our parts. So that shows a complete cycle. And that, you know, in turn, as to the track record. So, it, uh, you know, once you have something going for you, it becomes easier. But initially, when you have nothing, you know, you have life experiences, don't you? I have my story, I have my, you know, college experience, mm-hmm. obviously I have a college degree and, um, and I did own a pretty successful um, rental, rental units, though not many. So I wasn't a piece of paper, you know, white paper that has nothing on it. So I did have some experience. So I always say, start, you know, portraying yourself in the best light and show what you can offer and do show your experience. You need experience. Yeah. It's important. Yeah, for sure. And that actually, you know, what you just said that makes me think that's the same thing of trying to talk with a broker and convince the broker that you're a good buyer for that property. Cause when right. you're, you're, you're in your kind of early stages, you don't have that try. You, you, you somehow have to buy a hundred unit building or you somehow have to buy a 50 uh, pad mobile home park, but you didn't right. just, like, it just didn't flash into your life. So you right. have to convince them that you're willing and able to do it. And right. that's showing your character, letting your character shine through. Like you said, we've all got experiences right. and an investor is going to trust you based on your experiences, how you hold yourself, how, how, how trustworthy you are. And same thing with the broker, same thing with the seller um, and other people that are trying to do business with you or that you're trying to right. do business with. Exactly. And it all boils down to competition again, right? So with the broker, mm-hmm. uh, when I started, there wasn't any competition. There was nobody else trying to outbid me. So I didn't have to <laughs> present a lot of experience yeah. in mobile home park purchases. And now that it's getting more heated and I do have that. So it, it's, it's became a really good timing for me. Certainly helpful. Absolutely. Right. Um, okay, cool. A couple last questions I, I want to ask you. Um, what, any like specific habits uh, that you've created that really help propel you help uh, with your success? I think number one is reading, reading business books, um, learning from other people's theories, philosophies. I mean, my favorite book of all time is called From Zero to One by Peter Thiel. He is a uh, Silicon Valley investor, uh, co-founder of PayPal, and he is, you know, uh, he, he's a he's a huge investor and he one of um, the uh, I think the best thing sorry adjusting my my clothing uh, wh- one of the best things I've learned from his is that blue ocean strategies that 
yeah. competition escaping. So you have yeah. to learn and you get inspired from, you know, the books, business books and strategy books. That's, I think, the one, one of the habits. Another habit I would do is that try to slow down once in a while and think about where you are. Think about your business. Don't just get yourself in, into the mud and just constantly working for the business and constantly, you know, working and working, working without thinking because you're losing direction. That is actually a really bad thing for you because if you, all you do is work and not thinking and not working on your business, your business is not heading to a right direction. As, especially if you're on top, if you're one of the managing partners, if you're the boss, you have to think about the direction overall, big picture, macro, uh, macro level uh, decisions. And that requires some quiet time, some rest, just clear your mind, sit down and rest. Think about your strategy, rethink a lot of things. And instead of just working, working, working on the small tasks, um, that won't really be productive. Just be careful with that. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Those are great things. It's so easy to get caught up in the day to day and never slow down. Right. I mean, we just, I, there's been plenty of times where I'm just busting, 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 yeah. and I just don't slow down. And that that's when you stop growing because you're yeah. not taking some time to reflect, to really think about yeah. what you're trying to achieve. So I love that advice. Um, okay. So you've mentioned a book zero to one any other books that you want to recommend? Just maybe one more book. Um, that's a good question. I think another one I would say is um, I have a whole whole list of books. Um, Zero to One is really my all-time favorite. Um, and as far as another book, it's old. Their mobile home. You know, it's funny because I'm in the mobile home park industry, but I never yeah. really took any boot camps or anything like that. I learned yeah. a lot from experience, but I would say uh, one business book, it's really old. And that's, you know, my business partner's favorite book of all time. The, it's called uh, The Art of War. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's 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 uh, the, the, the best business. It's actually a business book, a business book, business yeah. strategy. That's ancient book, but it, it's, uh, it's, it's a very, uh, very deep book. So love it. Love it. All right. So last question before we wrap up, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Right. So I think from a, from my perspective, I think the three things that you need to create wealth is um, you have to have the drive, right. It's from kind of a mindset thing, like you said, the, the drive to succeed. Yep. And that requires the, the why behind why you're doing, why are you trying to achieve wealth so you have to find that for yourself mm -hmm. and uh the two is how is how are you going to 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 achieve that it's kind of the, the why is the reason it's your mission and the how is is kind of your your um, tactic right and then the third thing you need to find out is the strategy the strategy that overrules the how i mean sorry so it, it goes like the the motivation your drive the motivation yep. behind why you're trying to create wealth you're for your family for yourself for your own personal freedom for your childhood dream doesn't matter you have to have that motivation the second level is the strategy right so what, what's your strategy to do that and then once you figure out a strategy you figure out the tactics the tactics serves the strategy the the steps to get there break it yep. down to little chunks little manageable chunks 
and you'll get there. Take actions on those manageable chunks. So I would say those are the three three levels, three pillars. Nice. Love it. Love it. Well, look, Charlotte, really appreciate you. Appreciate you spending time with us. Explain a little bit about your business and what you're doing and some of the strategies, some of the things you're doing to be successful um, for, from managing, you know, from, from having, first of all, from surrounding yourself with great people, uh, having the right people to managing uh, those people, uh, to finding that, that growth opportunity, the, the, the thing, like you said, in the mobile home parks that has opportunity, very big need uh, with affordable housing opportunity for you to actually come in and buy where every single person is not trying to do the exact same thing and an industry that's growing um, or is huge right now. Uh, very, very big need. And then, you know, slowing yourself down to really be able to build your business, to be able to really think and reflect. Um, of course, talking about, you know, taking action to get the results you're looking for. Can't get the right. results if you're not going to take action. Mm -hmm. And then your three pillars, the uh, motivation, the strategy, and the tactics. So again, really appreciate you uh, being on the show. How can our listeners get in touch with you, learn more about what you got going on? Right. The best way to reach me is go to our website at johnscreekcapital.com. And um, there is a contact form. Um, there is a little, you know, get in touch tab and just go ahead and click on that and then fill out the form. I should be in touch uh, usually by the, the same day. Awesome. Charlotte, again, really appreciate you and you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.